0: From the Lucha Podcast Network, this is the Mass Startup Podcast. The Mass Startup Podcast profiles the most talented creators, impactful entrepreneurs, and high-performing professionals with the purpose to drive insights, learnings, and tactics to help you build the things that you believe in. This podcast is sponsored by Sage Accounting sage gives entrepreneurs and small businesses the information insights and tools they need to succeed sign up for a 30-day trial to start using sage accounting in your business using the offer code of sage there's not that many people taking this that serious no i mean i think like it's easier to kind of pretend to do this than it is to actually do it yeah and i think that's entrepreneurship
1: that's you fake it till you make it, then you make it, then you gotta like keep trying to push the measure, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, the part, that's the hard part. That's literally like, it's it's well, like, that's how you start. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, now that we do know, you should be able to pass it on to the next, like, batch of people. Because I think sometimes we become so, like, dispatched from other around, and like, everyone thinks, like, you gotta figure it figured out from the very beginning. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have it figured out. Like, you only realize the more you talk with others. Like, be in an ecosystem where people are talking. Like, you're like, oh, like, everyone is, like, trying to fake it. (laughs) And, like, we eventually all become, like, pieces of a puzzle that, like, is fully built in the future. Like, this is what it's going to be. But where it started it's not. But
0: it's like, when do you know that you're actually doing what you should be doing? Because I think it's easy. Like, in the beginning, all you're doing is playing. Technically, right? Yeah. Yeah. I heard this term today, playing business. Yeah, where you're not necessarily actually doing anything, you're just like kind of curious about building something. Yeah, but then when do you actually realize, okay, wait, I'm actually doing something, and like there's actually
1: something happening here? For me, it's more when you understand the clarity like when you have clarity of what it is you should be doing, and really, yeah, you are playing business, right? It's like there's a quote I heard where it says, You don't have a business with a purpose, you have a purpose that has a business. Right. But once you have clarity on what that purpose is and where the mission is going then it helps you so much more easier figuring out like okay this part of the business may have not worked but like mm. you're still focused on doing the purpose. Yeah. And that for me is when you when you have that clarity of what that purpose is and how you impact that purpose every single day, every single week, every single quarter and run those numbers uh, and be able to say okay this thing this bottom line purpose is where we're solving it for. Do you remember the
0: first time you were building something that had that sort of purpose and business sort of
1: link? Yeah, it was Funda. Funda Africa was definitely that. But I think it took a long time before we actually realized, like, oh, like, this is actually the purpose of what we're actually building. Like, at the beginning, because you're trying to solve this big problem, and you don't really be able to articulate that, right, very clearly. It took about, I think, last year, really, when we've we had to pivot at a certain stage go back and figure out what it is exactly we were trying to solve and address for and then go back to realizing what that bottom line metric was hey like young people placed into opportunities was what we were all about and by virtue of us doing that we make business profit okay like yeah. That made sense. Okay, cool. You make money by helping people get placed. Okay, cool. Now our purpose is at the center of you making money. Now I can actively think about the business plan and the business model that fits that, right? Yeah. So, yeah, for us, it was at that point, like late uh, sometime last year when we were like, oh, actually, this is what our purpose metric is. And by virtue of us doing that purpose metric, this is how, much, how we make money on top of that.
0: You know, let's go bare bones, <clears throat> basic. You know, what is Funda and yeah. what were you guys
1: trying to achieve? So Funda is an early talent recruitment startup. What we do is help companies hire top talent from Africa with the focus of trying to break barriers to better futures for young Africans. What that means is we work with universities, talent you know, developers, talent accelerators, and, and what we do is help bridge this gap between them and the companies that can you know, get them. How do we help... Them find opportunities easier, and you know, you know, break this barrier of asymmetrical information, mm-hmm. uh, and also help companies, you know, open up the opportunities to a wider audience without the hassle of having to work harder by 10xing the number of people that apply. So we've built a solution, a recruitment solution for companies that can help score and screen candidates, but at the same time, we've made it more accessible for people to be able to apply through their mobile devices as opposed to going to a computer shop or what not to apply mm. for these opportunities? So yeah, that's what Funda does is bridge the gap between the two. What was the problem that you sort of identified
0: and like, you know, it, I don't think it always happens so like mm. beautifully where you know you're walking on the street yeah. and then you trip and then you realize, oh damn, people yeah. should wear mouth guards. You know, it's like <laughs> I know that's a shittier example, right? <laughs> but like, yeah, sometimes yeah. when people talk about the problems that they're solving, yeah. it's like this beautiful like. You know, sequence of events that just yeah. led to you realizing that, yeah. oh man, the world <laughs> needed to change in this way. Yeah. Was there something that really like was a
1: catalyst for you guys? Yeah, for, for us it was, it was, I mean, I worked in the rural development space from a private sector perspective, working with rural communities and helping. My role was really to, you know, help this macadamia farm that we were working on become a catalytic project for people in that space, right? Mm-hmm. So what that meant is like this this project was going to take six to nine years to break even and give money. And for a long time, it will do. But the impact that needed to be realized was sooner, mm-hmm. right? And what my role was then, go and help the youth and women in these places find other ideas mm-hmm. and launch new ventures that can use this as a, this project to launch, right? So then you try to communicate and do applications, funding applications for 15,000 people mm-hmm. and you realize, hey, there's, a, there's going to be a company that wants to come and meet everyone. Yeah. How do you get the message across, right? If you want to get documents for applications, how do you do that? We built WhatsApp, a WhatsApp network of communication and realized, hey, in these places, a lot more people have smartphones than they do have PCs and computers anywhere close by. So this was a nice like, way to think about how to help people apply for things. But I think, again, my story has always been about how it was a youth development thing. FISMIS 4 was the big one where the idea came, but mm. I think after having worked and realized my passion in technology and how it could really help make things simple mm. was the catalyst that said, hey, this is the way in which to address the problem you have always wanted to solve and helping young people when was always that. So you find this like really good problem that you think, okay,
0: you know, mm. if we do something here, it could mm. be super impactful. Mm. What's the first step to building out a platform to actually be able to facilitate you know, solving this problem.
1: Yeah, building out a platform. Don't run to the nearest software shop. <laughs> don't run to the nearest dev shop. I think that was the biggest mistake we made. <laughs> I was like, "Yo,
0: can you got- can you explain what a dev shop is to someone yeah, that might not yeah, know yeah. What that is. So,
1: dev shop is like these. You know, I'm not, not frowning upon. I'm not frowning upon any dev mm-hmm. shops. I hope anyone who's listening doesn't, you know. Look at that. But again, a dev shop is really like a whole that, like a company that has a whole lot of software developers and provides a consultancy service to developing your solution, right? Much quicker than you having to build out your own team. Yeah. So, you know, they work with you, they get your idea, they help you think through it, and then they develop it, right? For a lot of money. That's X amount of software developers. It'll be 40 hours of their time plus the markup for them. And they just essentially manage that whole process for you of developing your thing without you having to do it yourself. Why do you feel like it was such a big, you know, it didn't work for you guys? Because it was too soon. Mm. It was too soon in our journey. We still had a lot to really as a team figure out and we had to really Mm. engage more with the customer. And also, truth be told the solutions we need to address the problems we're looking to solve mm. don't cost that much they aren't as complex as we tend to think at the beginning i like mm. i remember myself at the beginning on some like hey i have an app idea i have an idea for an app like my idea is for an app like no like an app doesn't solve the problem what is your solving the problem an app is a channel yeah you will figure it out like there's no code tools there's ways to build an mvp without having to go and spend millions on Mm. solution number one. So I think that was the biggest problem because then it was still disconnected into what we knew about the problem. Mm. And now all of a sudden we've paid so much money to develop this solution and then you realize sooner than later like hey, the customer says they wanted pears not apples. It's like Mm. oh how do you revert back and say okay cool let's build pairs right yeah so that was the big problem we were very early in our stage we were very early in our company for us to be investing in that type of thing as opposed to going and speaking to customers that is what we should have been spending more time on very early on in the business
0: do you think you learned that lesson too late or like is that something that you're still sort of figuring it out now no
1: no no like uh, like i'm more happy that we learned it in that way without it being like very disastrous for our business right we Yeah, look, early on, it would have been great if we'd figured out how to build much quicker. Mm. But it didn't, like, kill our business. Nearly did. (laughs) There were very dark nights when we ran out of runway. It was like, hey, like, we wish we could have had that back. But I think it's in those moments when going back to the purpose of the business Mm. was very important. Because when you don't have the capital and you don't have like anything around you that can help, you know, throw this to the media and PR and be out there, mm. you need to really figure it out when your customers are like, hey, we need a solution, right? You said yeah. you're promising this, like, we need a solution. And that helped me really learn how to hack things together, like, mm. how to build. Like, I had to be there by myself and be like, hey, like, we need to build this. Yeah. Customer says they want it, like, let's learn how to build it. And yeah. fortunately enough, like, we were able to really get some business going and again, good partners behind us and like look, we've overcome that hurdle. And I think it's now given us that thing early on in our in our journey mm. that will help us know what to prioritize and not to prioritize in the future. So yeah.
0: yeah. Why did you think that the dev shop was a better sort of Route to take rather than building out a team? Did you think it was a lot more expensive or was it really about trying to have a lot more speed and being able to, you know, build out a a platform that you thought, you know, this will solve the problem a lot better even before you had the the data from you know Customers mm-hmm. Saying hey Look actually What I need is, is is a lot more simple
1: So I think It's more about The beginning of our journey And how it started mm. That really Led us to like Yo we have to do this We were part of A talent I mean a You know Tech competition We got some funding From that Three days The the, the funding landed Three days before COVID Like a lockdown oh. And Again The people behind this Were like yo You really need to get this Because PRs have really been like put on us like we've been in the news we've mm. been like this solution is coming and the organization that backed us was also like needing that PR because I mean things were happening behind closed doors that mm. you know were leading us to need to have something so the most accelerated way I mean no one knew what remote workers at the time right mm. I'm literally fresh out of like starting the startup and we had to hack things together. Like mm-hmm. there was, there was like no time for us to still figure out. Okay, cool, we're gonna do interviews and we're gonna go and like live in places. Like we don't know how to run this new way of working. And mm-hmm. the only way we thought, like, you need to have a team that already knows how to build this thing because this thing needs to come out. You've hyped it up now. Mm-hmm. Let's get it out there. So, I think the what influenced us that way was really the beginning of our journey. But again, I think we learned a lot of lessons, and I'm I'm never gonna you know. Play, downplay the, the impact it had on where we are today. Mm. Because it was because of that tool. It was because of that that other partners were able to back us and be like, hey, we want to work with you. We like what you're building. Build it in for this. And like today, some of the opportunities we have gotten have been based on that. So yeah, that's the reason why we went the div shop route. Route, sorry. But again, like in retrospect, because of how we started and what the reasons were, I mean, we've made it work.
0: You know, People talk about just having partners or investors, you yeah. know, come into your business. It does definitely accelerate yeah. your growth and like it helps you learn from other people that might have made the mistakes already. So yeah. you don't have to make them, right? But it also invites, you know, different types of pressures. Mm-hmm. So what you're mentioning now, you know, like mm. you know, the money's in the bank now. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, where's the yeah. work? Where's the work? Where's the work? <laughs> how yeah. how much have you learned about that relationship thing where it's like you know we have a purpose we have a vision mm. we have a plan mm. you're a partner you're coming in you can't change this first mm. we need to collaborate in mm. order to drive you know the results that we want yeah but you can't now and there's that what's that crappy analogy about yeah. investors when they, investors can, you know, at first yeah. hitchhikers, yeah. they come into the car, it's <laughs> nice. And then they hijack and they're like, ah, you know, I, went out, I was a driver. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, yeah. What did yeah. you learn about that whole relationship there?
1: I remember there was a, there was a conversation I had with my co founder at the time. And it went like, I was like, Yo, I mean, this is the height of the pressure. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, yo, do you know what I miss the most, man? Like, I miss the beginning phases because then that doesn't make no pressure. Like, I used to be able to talk about the dream and the problem and, like, the story mm-hmm. without this pressure of it having to, be, like, really be done, right? And that's, like, the kind of sucky part. It's like, hey, now that we have to execute on that, like, and there's, like, money and there's pressure behind it, mm-hmm. like, people are saying, oh, yeah, actually do the dream. Early on, like the immaturity was like, "Ah, I just wish I could talk about the dream forever. And that's like, that was it. Mm. So, yeah, the pressure with investment, I think, is to really prove it. But I think that's where I think it differentiates those that are really for actually solving the problems as opposed to those that are talking about it for other reasons. Mm. So, again, why I always mention is that luckily our backers, the first people that invested, it was more so ground funding um, and wasn't an investor that's like, okay, cool. Like I need capital to come out of this. But there was more so PR that needed to come out of it. So they could show successes before things were happening. So the pressures, yeah, they do play a role. But I think it does also showcase those that can actually execute on the visions that they want to have and actually are focus on the problem as opposed to the hype of being a founder. Mm. It sounds cool sometimes hey, we started this thing, we're going for and It sounds so cool, right? Like, hey, you can tell people around the dinner table that you're building this tech. But if you're not really solving a real problem, then like, it starts to weigh in on you if like, you know, you're not really achieving those things. And I think for us, it was at those times when we didn't have the capital, mm. that really showed that it wasn't about the money. It mm. wasn't about the investment. And therefore now, I'm in a very strong position to say, hey, like, first and foremost, capital is cheap. Mm. I know people say, hey, like, it's, it's, no, capital is kind of cheap when you when you think about the detriment it can come with if it doesn't align with your purpose. Mm. Capital that really matters is that of people that back the vision and not your tomorrow. Like people that aren't rushing to, you know, people that are with you on the long journey, not on the returns. That is the difference. You know, you need to find partners that can come in and say, hey, we actually back the longer-term vision and solving of the problem than we are about the capital the capital becomes a result of you continuously tracing that so yeah
0: you know you talk about just like, how nice it is to just be a founder it's so, <laughs> so nice right you yeah. just call yourself that yeah and already you're just in this league of like superstars yeah. like yeah no those guys are building the future <laughs> yeah and that's yeah. how i always think of like that word founders yeah. like this is someone that has dedicated themselves to building the f- by saying there's a problem in the world and i can solve it mm. right and you spoke about that whole, you know, it's easier to talk about the dream and just be like, oh, man, this is what we want to do. Mm. It's just harder when it's time for the execution. Mm. When did you get that, like, slap in the face on execution to say, hey, bro, this ain't
1: no game. <laughs> 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 this, is, this is real this life, is bro. This real life. This is real life. Two times. The first time maybe I didn't realize it and I took a lot more personal was when we were trying to fundraise. Like, now it's like, hey, you've gotten capital and you've gotten the, the money to kickstart this business. But now you want venture capital that helps you accelerate and grow, right, your vision. Getting to talk to more investors and pitching them and, and you know all of that kind of stuff. There was the, the first lap was really like, hey, this is nice, <laughs> just not for us. Right? Mm. And more and more that you hear that no was when you're like, hey, like, Maybe I'm not the guy, yeah. <laughs> right? You have to question yourself that. Hey, like this is so awesome. Like when we're in our like team chats, it's like, yo, guys, like we got five thousand new users overnight. Like, what the hell? Like, how did that happen? Like, but then you start to like have to like talk about where you're actually going and if you're really the right person. And I think that was the mm-hmm. first time. But the second time was again when you ran out of runway at the time, really having to face it without the noise, like no media, no social media, no nothing, like if when the, there's no noise, are you really about doing this? Like, are you really about it? Yeah, like when there's no attention and no one cares. Nothing, yeah. nothing. I think people didn't realize, but there was a time when we went off social. We were very loud and we were very customer facing. Remember, we're a talent marketplace. So it's like, mm-hmm. get like get talent and get supply. And for a long time, we were just focused on this side because again, like the demand for jobs and job opportunities in general always come. Mm. But it's until we went like stealth and we're like, okay, cool. (laughs) Let's not make a noise. And let's just focus on building that. Like focus on building for the customer, which is, again, the Mm companies and the supply side, that it made, you know, a lot more sense because now you're just focusing on building something and naturally people came to where you were building as opposed to coming because of the noise, right? So, yeah, that was a real time when I, I had to figure it out. And then there's a second time when I... Third time was when we launched Soulmate, which is the the other so the other startup was mm. like, okay, cool. Now you're doing the rodeo and you're more perfect. Prefer- like you're more doing it from the very beginning. So, yeah.
0: So you're talking about that. You know, we'll go into Soulmate because yeah, I yeah. think it's like really interesting that you're working on this other thing. You yeah. Know, right? But you're talking about that. So you've got a lot of the students going into the platform, Mm. you know, applying whatever it is, and then Mm. you've got the company side as well. Mm. Which side of this would you say is is the harder play, right? Because you do need the companies putting out roles and saying, "Look, we want these Mm. this new talent," Mm. but you also want like as much talent as you can and the best talent, Mm. thinking that this is the right platform for them to be able to, you know, Mm.
1: find these right opportunities. Mm. I'll say it like this: I think we figured. The, the harder side and the thing you should always focus on and what we focused on is the supply side. Like, just because you have a lot of talent on your platform, you can't manufacture jobs. And mm. it's always gonna be the hard work to really have to, I mean, that's what we were doing at the very beginning was, we had these opportunities, we had a few partners, but you have a lot of people on your platform that don't fit these opportunities. So we aggregated more and more and more data so that people could still find, like mm. that's really our purpose was to help them find. But that wasn't sustainable. Like us staying up from like six to midnight to get opportunities and you know, list them, was every night after, after already pushing the ready like eight, mm. like that was not sustainable for long. So the focus should always be on the supply side. I mean we have solid partners now and we we'll are really like accelerating the next quarter on getting more and more of the right partners that come with opportunities. Because naturally, the right because ta- it's not about just having a talent pool; it's more about having the right talent pool, right? So again, the talent will always be out, and we are about making this more accessible to everyone. But again, we always focus on trying to solve the problem for the job opportunities that do exist. Because mm. just because you have people on your platform, you can't just manufacture up job opportunities. And solving, solving the unemployment issue is really like it's a massive problem, it's yeah, a big hairy problem, but. It takes a lot more than just one player. And we've realized that very early that we can only do our part and then enable everyone else that we want to partake and partner with to solve the bigger purpose. Yeah.
0: I mean, when you think about South Africa's unemployment, yeah. and I call it a crisis because there's nothing else yeah. you can Massive. use. Like, there's, there is no <coughs> other words to use. And anyone that uses no, no. a different word to describe it is euphemizing the problem that we mm. have, like, Mm. This is a crisis. Mm. And when you have a situation like that and you have a platform that's saying, you know, we'll find you opportunities, obviously, you guys are going to deal with a lot more noise, a lot more, you know, Mm. there's going to be a thousand people applying for one job, for Mm. example. Mm. You've seen this where I remember seeing a video on TikTok where KFC at some mall was just looking for, you know, two Mm. cashers and there was a line of 300 people. And that's where we are right now. In the context of this, and you've got like corporates looking for like really, you know, high level talent, a talent that has like, you know, that is going to be Mm. of a high quality. Mm. What becomes the metric to try and decide, okay, you know, this is the people that we need to make sure that the companies are seeing the most because those are the most likely people that they'll be willing to, to take on?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, when we went into the graduate space, the graduate recruitment space, We were always about understanding why it was that some of these opportunities weren't so visible. Mm -hmm. I remember speaking to some people as we were engaging with the talent acquisition partners. And one said to me, like, hey, like, when we were supposed to work with them, they're like, we're like, okay, we're going to push on social. They're like, no, no social media. Why? No, because social media means that more work for me. More applications come on my desk, more Excel spreadsheets, and like now I have to do the work if too many people come my way. And I was like, oh, okay, no. like If that's a problem to making things accessible, then maybe we should address that. And that like became like, hey, maybe our product should speak to the fact that it doesn't matter how many people apply. You will always find the right people. And whatever we do in the back end to make sure that you can match that on whatever criteria you have. Mm-hmm. And we're very upfront about that, we know People have their criteria, and like that should be more so on the forefront to help you vet through, as opposed to this idea that you can't have this thing accessible. So yeah. for us, the metric is always a good and great matches, right? That like the number of applicants and what's the ratio of good and great, like good and great candidates. That is always the metric we use to measure of our, you know, meaningfulness to our customer or to our client is that, hey, even though we may have given you twelve thousand applicants. You used to have three thousand applicants. We've grown the applicants, but the ratio of good and great matches has mm-hmm. now risen since we've been in board. So that's really what we're about. And it becomes about the quality a lot more, like mm. the filtering as well. Yes, yes, yes. But again, again, that's also very much based on what customers perceive to be great. I mean, we've we've seen situations where. There's cum laude students that will apply and not get a great match. And Mm. we've been asked that question. Like, oh, like, how did this person not make a great match? And you're like, oh, but do you you remember your scoring criteria and Mm. your, your measurements? That's how. Like, that number is based on how you're measuring. So let's help you better improve the way you judge candidates. And the reason why we do that is because at a certain stage, we want to remove this thing of, hey, a cum laude and this means success. It's really about, like, does everyone have an even playing field? If you may have not gotten your degree for whatever reasons, mm. we know there's vast amount of reasons why people don't get their degrees. And financial is one of the biggest ones, right? Mm. So just because you didn't get that doesn't mean you're not a great candidate. No, just because you don't have the degree doesn't mean you're not a great candidate. And we want to even the playing field in future by being able to help develop better ways of assessing talent and connecting them to these opportunities. So, yeah
0: when you think about the work that you're doing and like how you measure whether it's growth or success Mm. what are the key things that you look at and go okay this means that we're growing versus the other thing that just feels like it's feeding your (laughs) ego right I always think that entrepreneurs when they're choosing KPIs Mm. they choose one that's just like I know this (laughs) this one I'll hit this one yeah it's an ego boost. I'm good. Does it actually matter to the business?
1: I'm not sure. Nah, yeah. I get you. I get you. Like, likes and impressions. Hey, man. <laughs> Don't believe the PR. Hey, man. Don't believe the PR, man. You can you can buy that. Oh, damn. <laughs> the biggest metric to us is placements. That's our North Star. If we're not placing people into opportunities and we're not connecting people to opportunities, then our purpose is not being met. And we know that revenue is quite, very, like, Aligned with our with our placement metric. Mm. Um, then for us, because we are a lot more of a or we have been a lot more of an enterprise business. It was contracts, average size of contracts, and understanding that hey, you need to place X amount of people on this contract. So that has been our success metric. And revenue, it's so funny. It, at the beginning of our story, like revenue was the least most, like the least important, right?
0: Yeah, but isn't that typical with startups mostly? Is like yeah. revenue comes later. <laughs>
1: yeah, doesn't. <it? laughs> <laughs> early on in our journey it was like how can we help like young people get opportunities and like we'll figure out like advertising revenue when we have a million users mm. yeah it's very important to get revenue up front because you need to know the mechanics of your business being sustainable there's no point of having a meaningful impact that's not sustainable like mm you will be a flash in the pan and you will leave people destroyed after you like, okay, cool. There was a time when there was this amount of impact being made for 2000 people. That thing died out two years ago and we've never seen it again. There's no point of that, right? Like mm-hmm. if you want to see impact grow, you need to be able to make it sustainable. There's no point of just throwing money into something without understanding how that money won't, not necessarily that it has to make it back, but mm-hmm. able, able to pay for itself forward. So that the impact is sustained for much longer than just these you know i think i call it flash in the pan impact like mm. we throw money like it's gonna happen it happens and then like you're just left alone the pr is done the pr is nice and then we just put it in our archives or in our webpage but then we never continue that impact
0: yeah yeah when you look at like the journey that you've had mm. so far what do you name as being your biggest failure I mean, mm. I'm, I'm rephrasing failure lately, mm. as mo- mostly as a learning, like mm. not necessarily just like oh, yeah, pain, thing. right? Yeah, like yeah. If, you do, if you don't learn from failure, it's just pain. There's yeah, nothing. Exactly. It's useless, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. it can become like a lesson and like something that helps you pivot and figure th- mm. things out. Mm. What was something that you failed at very hard, harshly? Mm. And how did you manage to navigate that?
1: Embracing support, embracing the support of the people around you. Mm. I think early on, I, th- I, th- I thought because of being the founder and being the one that like started this, that I knew it all, not realizing, hey, the people around you could really have a solid amount of impact around what and they're like growing with you. Uh, mm. So giving people that ability to be there and being able to be embracing of something and like give people what they need to. Do their best work and get the hell out of the way as the founder. Like, as soon as you give some of that impact, like, get the hell out of the way. Mm. So something I I learned or I didn't learn early enough, which was the biggest failure, was being able to embrace the support of people around. Right, be it a team, be it co-founders, and being able to provide them the platform to impact your goals together. Which I think now I've really embraced a lot of. It's like, hey, like, we need to build this together, and now you can do your best work in whatever isolated place that is and share enough and br- build a trust enough with everyone to do their best part in, in the journey. So that was a big failure that I think now has been, you know, the biggest change of, we don't have enough energy to do everything at once. Eh? That's, true. <laughs> we That's don't, true. We don't. How do you think about
0: building a team? Because you're, thinking, you're mentioning now just like mm. once you give someone the responsibility to say, mm. hey, look, this is yours. Mm. And I trust you to be able to make this like part. Mm. Mm. Yeah, what informs how you think about building a team, and like what's
1: that experience like now? At first, it wasn't great because again, you couldn't give clarity. Mm. As the as the sole sharp edge of the spear, you should be able to give the most amount of clarity. And now I think of it a lot differently. I think my responsibility as part of a team is exactly what I need to focus on. I always try to align people to ensure that they do their best work. I think that's always what I'm about. So, meaning that I need to be as clear as possible Mm. to be able to give someone that and be able to help people be accountable. Like, can you give people the accountability metrics? Like, can you tell someone, hey, if this is your responsibility and, hey, you have all the ability to do, like, however you want to do it and Mm. I'll get the hell out of the way, I will also... Be accountable to you, and you be accountable to me with what the success of your goal is, right? Mm. Uh, so, embracing goals and making sure that they're very clear and like very like open and transparent to everyone, so that everyone can you know bounce off each other. And it's not to take things personally. Like mm. nothing is personal. Like it's a business. Like you're trying to grow this impact. You're trying to grow the startup, and everyone not everyone is at everyone's level at the same time. Like yeah. people will get there. People grow into things, right? So getting to embrace that ability to say, hey, you are who you are because you've ran your journey the way you've ran it. And you've learned a lot around that, right? Not everyone will be the same at the same time. Mm. So be open to understanding people and understanding that they'll make mistakes along the way. And sometimes it will be even greater than you even thought. But everything is a and You should just you know be able to embrace people as they are. Absolutely. Yeah. You spoke about like pressure and, you know,
0: how, whether it's PR or investors yeah. or like growth and yeah. team and all these different things, are there mm. things that you're doing to really think about how you handle that pressure, manage it and navigate it, especially when you've had the difficult times and now you're sort of
1: figuring out what it looks like to take a next step? Mm. It's set expect like just manage your expectations. It's a long road. <laughs> it's a very long road. What we're doing are 10-year things, like things that people haven't been able to do with a lot more money than us. And the fact that there's so much money in the world and it, the problem that you're looking to solve hasn't been solved yet showcases just like how hard it is to do the things you're doing. So set, like manage your expectations and set the right expectations, but also don't set them in such a way that you feel comfortable in them. It shouldn't be something where you're like, hey, I can do that tomorrow, so I'm gonna sleep today because like it doesn't matter i'll always be able to achieve that right mm. it should be things where it's like okay cool the challenge is there i need to grow i need to learn i need to do things in a very different way than how i did them before i need to learn from my mistakes and what i've learned mm. and also know what i did very well and pat myself on the back yeah so that's really how i deal with the pressure it's just understanding that hey like it's not a personal thing it's a very big journey it's a very big goals that we're setting so go with that idea that if you don't make it if you don't do it, don't take it personally. Mm. It's not it's not, a fa- it's not you that's a failure, right? But you can always figure ways out. And if you're really about the purpose of what you're doing, you'll get back up.
0: There's like an importance around clarity that you mentioned earlier mm. on. And yeah. obviously focus is also part of that and choosing a focus and mm. setting the focus for the rest of your team as well. Yeah. How do you think about how you decide where your focus needs to be? Mm. And how do you maintain that focus, even with the distractions of growth, mm. but sometimes also failure? Mm, mm, mm. I'm coming with the easy one. Yeah, yeah. yo, These are like, Easy questions.
1: You'd think that
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> to focus. I mean, we've we've now like again going back to reading. I'm I'm such an avid person of not necessarily reading but learning. Right? We have mm. different ways of learning now. Like it's not just reading a book that you're gonna learn things. But focus is really about setting the right targets like just setting them like this and be clear about those things like it's so it's so distracting not to be clear and until you get the clarity that you need like just don't like don't go forward like just make sure that you can spend time to be clear. Mm. There's a friend of mine and I've held this thing since first year. A friend of mine said rather the man who spends hours sharpening the axe than the one who hits who keeps hacking away at the tree with a blunt one. Mm. What that means is Rather spend time sharpening because you can hit once and you can really cut down the tree than to just always just hack away. Like, I know that sounds contradictory to like the whole startup entrepreneurship thing, but still it's not necessarily. It's like you understand that doing the mistakes that you're doing is really to sharpen that ax. And so what I've done to really like clarify and make things easier for myself as well as everyone around me is set very clear targets of of what it is. And that allows you to then Go back to the drawing board and figure out ways to get to those targets, right? Mm. Uh, and, I, and after every time, hold yourself accountable. Two weeks, hey, what have we done? That was great this week. Let's pat ourselves on the back. Let's clap. What didn't you do well? Okay, cool. What did we learn from that? Okay, cool. Let's if we've learned something from it, it's not a failure. Mm. You've learned something. You use it to apply the next thing. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. What does success and impact look like for Funda? But also at the end of that. Mm. Tell me about this new thing.
1: <laughs> Success for Funda looks like a world where African talent is taken seriously globally. What that means is it, anywhere in the world, an American graduate can really be, if you have a Harvard degree, man, hey, you come to South Africa, yo, you deserve that high seat. Mm. Right? If you get a, you know, a qualification from Monash, or Oxford University, wherever, other places in the world you're given a high seat. But when you come from Africa and you're a graduate from Africa, like you get put in the back seat almost. Like, mm. And every every continent has had its moment. And given that Africa, Africa will be home to the most amount of young people in the job market or workforce by 2030 and will be producing more young people than the rest of the world combined by 2035. I think it's a high time that African talent gets taken seriously globally. Mm. And Successful Funda really is young people being able to find their, their place in the world because of what we do. Like all the platforms and opportunities we, or platforms we create need to be able to help young people from Africa knowing that there's a better future that's accessible to them, that's it. Yeah. And leading to the next one, right? Yeah. Which actually started because of Funda, funny thing, is like having realized this American market and, and seeing like these young people from America, teenagers making millions, from this industry, and, and also doing a lot of research about like jobs will not going be jobs are not gonna solve the unemployment crisis. Like, mm. young people's hustles have to be taken seriously and being given a place in the world. So, when we saw young people in America, like, and the sneaker market and like how they were really like trading and making a lot of money from it, I was my questioning was, like, hey, why can't someone, this young kid from like, like East London, like, partake? Like, why can't they, you know? sell mm. a few kicks and start to grow that business into something that's serious. And then I had to put in the back burner. And then December came and, hey, I wanted a pair of shoes. I couldn't find them. Mm. I'm in East London. East, anyone who's from East London knows. <laughs> like, there's no way to buy kicks. Yeah. <laughs> there's nowhere. And you look at everyone on Instagram, Joba, Cape Town, hey, everyone has nice kicks. And you're like, hey, but I, I, I have my money. Like, Why can't my money also yeah. know, buy kicks? And I reached out to a university friend of mine, Josh, who had built up this crazy following through sneaker reviews, Mm. very solid. I watched the beginning of that journey all the way through and that creator became and reached out. I was like, hey, bro, like, I just need these pair of shoes. Please get them for me. Like, and he going through his networks was able to give me a price. I didn't know whether it was a good price or a bad price, but I was like, as a consumer, hey, like, it would be so great if these shoes were accessible to everyone and yeah, man, we then thought to ourselves, man, let's just start a platform to make it accessible. Mm. And that's how Soulmate started. That's <laughs> amazing, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you hope to achieve with this? Again, accessibility, right? And, and equality. If you look at the platforms such as StockX, Go.com, various ones across the globe, mm. American and global developed markets are able to sell sneakers to everyone anywhere, right? Mm. But you try, li- like you try, list on those platforms and try sell, and maybe not even get authenticated Like if your sneaker doesn't pass authentication, there, like it's a lot of money mm. to get that sent and pay that back. So our real goal with with Soulmate is just to have everyone, you know, be able to find the so- the shoes they love. That's one. Yeah. And enable resellers, the guys that actually push the culture, the people that actually push the culture. I don't want to be exclusionary because that's another part of it which I think is very important for what Soulmate's mission is, is that everyone anywhere can sell sneakers if mm-hmm. they want to. Sell streetwear, sell sneakers and be able to take this kind of craft and business seriously. That's really what we're about and having seen also a lack of women in the space, mm-hmm. a lack of women that are pushing resale, although they're the largest consumers of it, was also a part that was like nah we need to do something that you know enables everyone to be able to participate." i think it's going to be amazing <laughs> <not>. <laughs> what are you learning about yourself
0: you know throughout this journey as long as it is the pressures highs lows what i've
1: learned a lot about myself is that i love to create and i love to create pathways to wins for people mm-hmm. uh following your journey as well i know how much you're about small businesses winning right I and am. <laughs> very much so and I've started to realize just how much more I am about helping people win at the end of the day. Like, it's 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 such a powerful thing to know that, hey, you can do things and build things that I think they also excite me. Like, the ability to just build something and, like, it's there. Like, we saw our app in the App Store. My mom downloaded it, and I was like, yo, my mom bought a shoe of Soulmate. Like, hey, that's crazy! <laughs> I'm on board of a sneaker from Soulmate. I was like, man, that's wild. Yeah. But just being able to see the work you're doing in the world and, and appreciate it, I'm starting to learn a lot more of appreciation. I think very early on the journey because you have such high goals and such such high, you know, future goals, you don't tend to take the little wins across the, along the way and hey, be like, hey, you you're doing well, like you on the path where you're doing quite well for yourself. So just getting to appreciate myself a bit more uh, and what you bring to the world. You can't save every problem, but you can save the ones that you really are focused on and mm. appreciate what you've done already. Mm.
0: Yeah. If you had to go back, you know, to the beginning of your journey, yeah. knowing what you know now, everything that you've experienced, mm. was one of piece of advice that you would give yourself?
1: Mm. What is... Don't do not use dev shops. <laughs> 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 Focus on the problem. Uh, it's going to take time, but really really appreciate the work you're doing and and continue going onwards. Like you are exactly, you are who you think you want to be and can be. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is that we often doubt the things that we are able to achieve. Like we often look at everyone around, you don't compare yourself to everyone around. And the idea that, hey, I'm not so-and-so yet makes me feel like I'm inferior to who I am. Mm. but not realizing what you have done and not comparing yourself is so much further than who you were yesterday yeah you know what I'm saying like you actually are growing every day and if you can just focus on that you'll be exactly who you need to be and who you want to be you're more than capable of it like there's nothing and no one that can tell you you can't you just have to keep consistent on that thank you so much yeah <laughs> thank you very much Maj. appreciate that yeah
0: To access previous episodes of this podcast, but also again access to other shows on our network, please visit lucha.com.